630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, in the bottom of the third, the Blue Jays trail the Red Sox 1-0 NHL tonight. Halfway through the first, no score. Canadians and Rangers, about five minutes left in the first. Jets up 1-0 on the Flyers. Dubois has his 28th. Coming up later, Vegas at Chicago. Stars home to the Coyotes. And it'll be the L.A. Kings taking on the tentacle team. And, of course, it is, we now know for sure, the Oilers and the Kings in the first round of the playoffs starting next week. And the Oilers will have home ice advantage games one, two, five, if necessary, seven, if necessary, all to be played at Rogers Place. A lot to get excited about for this series. I'm going to dive into some of my main storylines for the series as we move along tonight. We're also going to welcome Alex Faust to the show. He's the play-by-play voice for the Los Angeles Kings on Bali Sports, so it'll be cool to get his perspective on this series and the Kings season. But right off the top, an Edmonton-LA matchup always gets me excited because it means I get to play this classic clip clip from the television show known as The Simpsons. Hello and welcome to the Springfield Police Department rescue phone. If you know the name of the felony being committed, press 1. To choose from a list of felonies, press 2. If you are being murdered or are calling from a rotary phone, please stay on the line. <laughs> You have selected Regicide. If you know the name of the king or queen being murdered, press 1. Yes, classic. The Oilers will be trying to commit a little Regicide as they take on the LA Kings in the first round. Okay, first of all, you know the story. The Oilers do have a couple of regular season games remaining. Tomorrow, home game against the Sharks. Friday, home game against the uh, Vancouver Canucks, Furnace Family Oilers Hockey for both those games, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. The Oilers' spot in the Pacific Division, though, cannot change. They are in second place, and we will bring you those games, and we'll see how many points McDavid can get to and uh, how they use the goaltending and what other players they work into the lineup and all that kind of fun stuff. So we got those two games and then the playoffs next week. But we know it's going to be the Oilers and the Kings, so I want to heavily focus on that tonight. And uh, I, w- I was doing some musing, you know. I was I I put on my uh, I put on my my thinking uh, sweatpants. I don't have a thinking cap. I kind of have a, a thinking sweatpants, and I sort of re- reclined in my in my comfy chair, and I started having some thoughts. And I boiled them down to four thoughts, four main storylines that I have for this series between Edmonton and Los Angeles. And of course, you're welcome to participate with your own storylines or questions, concerns, thoughts, hopes about this series on the hotline presented by CertainTeed. The phone number is 780-496-0063. CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems, CertainTeed. Pro all the way. So here's where I, where I have gone with this. And number one is going to be a storyline that I have referenced before when discussing the possibility of this series. And now we know it for sure. And that is the mentor versus the pupil, right? This is, uh, you know, Anakin against Obi-Wan, so to speak. Well, maybe that's not a great exact comparison, but it's the first one that could... uh, Well, actually, maybe that's the only mentor-pupil relationship that exists in any work of fiction. I'm not sure. But we do have that behind the bench. You have Todd McClellan 
coaching the Los Angeles Kings, and you have Jay Woodcroft coaching the Edmonton Oilers. They were together in Detroit, both uh, as uh, assistant coaches. The Todd was an assistant coach. Jay was a video coach. Then you had them go to San Jose. Todd was the head coach. Jay was an assistant coach. And then they came to Edmonton together. And uh, they were here together for three years. During the fourth year, Todd got fired, and Jay had gone to coach the Bakersfield Condors in the American Hockey League. I, I remember the first time I met Todd McClellan and the first time I interviewed him, it was the day he was named head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. And I said, you know, what's going on with the rest of your coaching staff? And of course he gave me kind of the uh, standard answer. We'll know soon where will there'll be an announcement soon. And I said, will Jay Woodcroft be on your staff? And he said, yes, he will. Jay is my right hand man. Um, so that was the relationship for a while and now they are both head coaches in the National Hockey League. So I think that's kind of compelling. I, I They know each other quite well. Um, I, I, I You listen to, 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 uh, to Woodcroft speak at times. Uh, I, I have noticed some similarities in mannerisms, maybe a couple little similarities in how they express philo- uh, philosophical ideas but i do think for the most part part jay woodcroft has become his own coach but if you want to look at sort of a coaching tree um they you know they are of the of the same tree so i i think there are some tactical things and some philosophical things that uh are similar you know todd mcclellan used to talk about playing inside the other team's equipment when you check and compete for the puck and um, Jay Woodcroft has talked about competing for every inch of the ice and, you know, making it uh, and then saying, you know, we demand our players play a hard style, but it's rewarding if you can pull it off. And if you look at how the Oilers have played under Woodcroft, when they get the forecheck going, they can be very busy in the offensive end. They can create a lot of second chances. They can buzz around the goal for rebounds and deflections and things like that. Uh, I think McClellan had some of those elements when he was here in Edmonton. I don't think his teams were quite as good as a couple of the really good teams he had in San Jose, but they could play that way. I mean, they, they were called the Sharks, and they looked like Sharks on a feeding frenzy sometimes. Um, so uh, I, I think they, they kind of have a general, uh, a very, you know, maybe it's, uh, again, maybe general. I'm sure some of the details are different, but I think they have a similar philosophy about how the game in the NHL should be played and what you need to be successful. So that's interesting to me. And let, I think we have to acknowledge here, and the Oilers have done very well. They have done better than the Kings lately for sure. Kings have been a little up and down, but they've been pretty strong through a lot of injuries. They were not picked by many, if anyone, to make the playoffs at the start of the season. And then they're in as the third place team. They didn't just squeak in as, as a wild card. And I do think we have to acknowledge this. And I I, I hate uh, to, to say this, but I think we have to kind of acknowledge the, the whole picture here. A possible disadvantage for the Oilers, an advantage for the LA Kings, is the pure experience factor behind the bench. Todd, as of the start of the playoffs, counting tonight's L.A. game and they play again tomorrow, as of game one of the playoffs, Todd McClellan will have coached 1,014 NHL regular season games plus 75 more in the playoffs. Now, granted, for many of those, he would have had Jay Woodcroft with him, but still, he was the head guy making the decisions. As of game one of the playoffs, whenever that is, Monday or Tuesday, 
Jay Woodcroft would have been a head coach for 38 NHL games and zero playoff games. So, you, you know, you never know. Will the will the mentor have some little piece of uh, wisdom, some little sliver of experience that could have, give him the coaching edge throughout this series? Just something to consider there. Uh, I think we got a guy or two on hold. I'm going to get to you in a second. My number two storyline for this series. Injured defenseman. We know for the Los Angeles Kings, Drew Doughty will not play. You know that if Drew Doughty were healthy, he might be playing close to half the game. Probably over 25 minutes for sure. And that he would be matched up against, you know, McDavid or Dreisaitl most of the time. Now, the Kings have figured out how to play without Doughty, and I'm going to ask their play-by-play guy, Alex Faust, about that when we have him on between 6.30 and 7. But still, that remains a storyline. An excellent defenseman with a ton of playoff experience will not play for the LA Kings. On the Oilers' side, how is Darnell Nurse going to be? Most indications I have say that Nurse will play at the start of the postseason. And, and I'm sure he's making every effort to do that. But I, I think you have to say, you know, it, it, could there be something lingering? Uh, is he going to be 100%? And yeah, most guys aren't 100% at this time of year, but he is going to have missed the last four games of the regular season. So that is my number two storyline. Big defenseman either out or perhaps not playing as close to full health as they would like to be. 780-496-0063. I will get to my uh, third and fourth storylines after I speak to Sir Robert. Sir Robert, go ahead. Hey, Reed, How you doing? Good. Well, I guess since we're, since we're talking about storylines for this series, personally, I have three. I can call them storylines or X factors, but for me, one is goaltending. What version of... Mike Smith, are we going to get? Is he going to is is he going to is he going to keep rolling into the playoffs? Personally, I think he will. And what version of Jonathan Quick is LA going to get? Are we going to get the Jonathan Quick from their 2012 and 2014 Cup runs? That's my first one. Number two, I think is going to be special teams, as we've talked a lot about the Oilers' power play having having the ability to step up and win them a game or two here and there. Plus, their penalty kill lately has been really, really good. And number three for me, personally, is going to be on defense. Obviously, I heard you mention that Doughty's out, he's not playing. But I guess guess my point there is on what kind of of playoff performance are we going to see from a guy like Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece, is uh, is uh, is uh, Cody Cece the type of guy who can who can maybe play more of a shutdown role in the playoffs? So I guess uh, I guess those are my three main ones. I'm not sure I'm not sure if you agree with those. Well, I'm going to get to my other two as we roll along here, Sir Robert. I appreciate it. Well thought out, and I and I think those are relevant. We got to call a quick timeout. It is six seventeen. It's Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet.
Here's the search seat online at 780-496-0063. You can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I am in competition for the most boring account on Twitter. I'm not sure if I've won it. And you can also email inside sports at 630ched.com. The big L writes in, he says, Reed, that game last night was almost flawless. You can just feel the growing confidence the team is acquiring as the wins mount. It's hard to believe that this was pretty much the same group who has played together all season and that by changing a couple coaches, such consistent improvement has occurred. Kane won't be the only member of the Oilers organization getting a bump in pay and term next season. And the Big L adds, two of the finest qualities both McClellan and Woodcroft demonstrate is the politeness and thoughtfulness when either is interviewed yeah i think that's a fair comment i always uh, enjoyed talking to uh to todd over the years and jay uh you know obviously up in edmonton and, and spoke to him when he was with the condors and got to know him a little bit when he was an assistant and he's been pretty good to deal with and having pretty good results okay uh 7804960063 i will resume my personal uh top four storylines for the upcoming series i've already identified the coaching matchup and the defenseman who may not play in this series or who may not play entirely healthy, but we got other people wanting to jump in too. Ron from Red Deer is on the line. Ron, what's going on? Hey, Reed, not much. Just doing the same old, same old. Skip, skip, skip away. Just without the oh. rope. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, I think the top, top storyline comes to the bottom six. That's it. That's it. Do you want to elaborate? They need to. They need to pitch in one, every game. Bottom six has. Bottom six has to get one goal. Every game. Okay. That's just my. That's just my opinion. Well, no, I, th- I think that's relevant. Thanks, Ron. And I. That is clearly something that has been a, a huge discussion point. I, I guess I'll say the last three years when the Oilers. I mean, they made the playoffs the last two years. And a lot of it was McDavid and Dreisaitl and a healthy dose of Nugent Hopkins as well. I think this is the best, certainly top nine the Oilers have had in a while. I think it's probably a better top nine than what they had in 2017. And as great as McDavid and Dreisaitl are, we've seen a lot of games in which somebody else in the top nine or one of the top two lines has been a driver as well to use that term, which I do think sometimes gets overused. Sometimes it's Hyman. Sometimes it's Kane. I think Yamamoto has uh, had some really good games. He's, you know, he's maybe a little streaky, but he had that good stretch where he scored seven goals in nine or eight or nine, whatever it was, made a nice pass last night to Evander Kane. Um, Are are they going to get a lot of goals from the fourth line? I'm not sure, but I think that they have the potential to win some territory. I thought it was a good game last night from um, Broussard and Shore and Cassian. They did get the empty netter. I've I've told this before, and and some of you were probably listening when when Rob said it, even though we went well after midnight. uh, Well, the game ended around midnight when they lost the triple overtime game to Winnipeg and I don't think we signed off till 2:40 in the morning but at one point Rob and I were discussing the forward depth that I said, you know, Rob again another season and the Oilers didn't really have a third line and Rob jumped in and he said, "Reed, I I I would argue the Oilers don't really have a second line. I, I mean, you might have had Knights Nugent Hopkins was on that line or Drysdale was on that line, but the rest of the players weren't of that caliber." I would not levy that criticism against the Oilers this season. I I think they have a pretty solid top two lines, and and especially when you have Nugent Hopkins on line three, a pretty good 
third line. So maybe, maybe there is going to be some depth scoring in the postseason this year. We also have Jason on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Jason, go ahead. Hey, Reid, I'll keep it brief because I want to hear your number three and four. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I think for me, when you look at Woodcroft, the biggest difference between Woodcroft and many of the other coaches in the league, and especially between him and any of the other coaches we've had, is that he tempers expectation with appreciation. And I know just from even myself, never been a professional athlete, but even any workplace I've been in, there's always expectation. But it feels good when you have someone above you that notices and appreciates when those expectations are being met as opposed to it just being part of the job. When you listen to Woodcroft talk, he doesn't just talk about the expectations he has of the team. Coming out of their comfort zone, you know, giving, you know, the, the 110% every night, doing things that don't necessarily pad their stats, but help the team to win. And like I say, you know that those are expectations, but when you hear the appreciation from the coach for getting that job done, I think it makes it a lot more fun to play for a coach that way, and you're more willing to go that extra mile when you know it isn't just expected, it's appreciated. Well, and I think that ties in a bit to the to the theme of the last call, Jason. I, I do think the depth players have excelled more under Woodcroft than they have under Tippett, and they've been given more opportunity to perform the roles that they were being trusted with. I think that's a really good observation from you, Jason. Okay, we got to do the news and weather. I am going to continue my storylines for the series. We're going to get Alex Faust on the show, who uh, does play-by-play for the LA Kings. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.